Hello, this is Pastor John Willingham of Doralstown Presbyterian Church. As our podcast audience continues to grow, I want to thank our loyal listeners and welcome those who may have just recently found us. We know that life can quickly become busy, so this podcast offers an on-the-go opportunity to hear Sunday's sermon, along with the scripture lesson read by that day's lay leader or preacher. We also encourage you to visit our website at dtownpc.org to learn more about our church and all of our diverse ministries. Thank you for tuning in. Our scripture today comes to us from John chapter 14, and if you'd like to follow along, it's on page 109 in your pew Bibles. Hear these words for God on your ears today. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, Those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but it is from the Father who sent me. I have said these things to you while I am still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. You hear me say to you, I am going away and I am coming to you. If you have loved me, you would rejoice and I am going to the Father because the Father is greater than I. And I have told you this before it occurs, so that when it does occur, you may believe. I will no longer talk with you much, but for the ruler of the world is coming. He has no power over me, but I do as the Father commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us be on our way. This is the word of the Lord. My ever-creative professor trying to teach a class of seminary students the complexities of the scripture that we find in John, he said, my daughter just got engaged. And she said, I'm going to tell the whole world about it. Now, what did she mean particularly about that phrase? This was a moment in her life that she had dreamed about, and it was going to set her on the next part of her journey. And she wanted everyone to know. So by the world, it meant a couple of things. Number one, she was going to go through her phone and find some of her closest friends and family to call and breathlessly telling them the wonderful news. They would reply back their joy. That was about 20 or so people. And maybe those people told their immediate family. So let's round that up to about 120 people. That certainly isn't the whole world. And then she wanted to post it on her social media to let the whole world know. And so you can amount that to many, many more. It certainly still isn't the whole world, though. I thought about that with another kind of a phrase. This one goes, shh, I don't want the whole world to know. As if something embarrassing had happened, or maybe shaming, and, and we're afraid that people might talk about us. You'd be the talk of the town if you did something so embarrassing, and people would want to tell everyone, can you believe that she did that? 
When we're in communities, we do talk with one another. And this tone sounds a little bit more threatening than the first one. But it marks a very big difference between us and them, them and us. And that's where we sit in our scripture for today. When the Gospel of John writer mentioned of the world, it's more of this second example, noting that the world is not a place of peace, and we are called to do the work of peace in this world. But what exactly does it mean? Where do we even start? Well, we start with Jesus. So on this World Communion Sunday, I was thinking about how interconnected we really are with the whole world. And we'll start there. Our world is closer than we think. We have an accountant that lives in Pakistan. When I make a mobile order on McDonald's for my child's favorite Happy Meal, the person who's actually filling that order is two states away. A tech service person could be speaking to us from another country, perhaps India. And if you look at something online, it automatically filters into your newsfeed and your email. You should buy that product. We get vegetables and fruits shipped to us from all over the world each and every day. And as the New York Times columnist Thomas Friedman puts it, the world is flat. Now the news reflects this as well. We're still praying for the tumults in the Ukraine and Russia's continued moves. And when we first heard it, we thought of that far away place. And then it immediately, we were made more aware that this world far away was right here in our neighbors and friends. We hear even through thick accents, but in English, echoes of a plea coming from people in Pakistan, sorry, in Iran, who have one of the biggest protests in this decade has emerged. And because of our connections with Florida, you might have even heard breaking news before the news was even hitting your newsfeed. And this week, we celebrated uh, two major Jewish holidays. Rosh Hashanah was this last Monday, and we're sitting and waiting for Yom Kippur on Wednesday. And the school district has decided that these days will be held as sacred days for all. And yet, it nags at us as a Christian nation. So we're nudged. Where might there be opportunities for peace? In the world or in our world? Well, is it both? Where do we begin, Jesus? Our Old Testament lesson today, the prophet Isaiah invites us, invites us to imagine God's peace in unlikely places. You might have heard from the familiarity of this verse that the trees will clap their hands. Joy will grow where there once was sorrow. A world that was torn by hostility and hopelessness will blossom back to abundant life. You get that imagery in the scriptures of the lion that will lay down with the lamb. A nation that was once at war will be at peace. This is a glimpse of heaven on earth that we're wondering about. And we see little glimpses of it also. When the church gathers for worship, we're assured that Christ is here in this peace. And when we worship together, we're fed from the scripture and from the table. 
Our New Testament scripture for today, I can only imagine that the disciples were just leaning in a little bit more, waiting for Jesus to tell them this secret. How are they to live in this world? And Jesus lived out his life, even from the beginning, in his humble birth, in an unexpected way. And this was a profound importance for this moment and the disciples, because Jesus knows the turmoil that they're going to be about. It's in direct juxtaposition of what was going on in the larger world for them. For this time and this day and age in Jesus' time, about 30 or so years before Jesus came, Emperor Caesar Augustus declared that there was going to be Pax Romana, And it was for 150 years through six emperors. And this Roman peace was held. It created travel opportunities, a common language. It was amazing for an economic upturn, and people lived in peace. But before you start thinking about how amazing this Roman peace might be, you start thinking about how this Roman peace might be. Because after all, it was because of drastic oppression that people were not able to be as they were. They were only able to be obedient Roman citizens. And that was not the true peace that Jesus was talking about. World peace was not going to come from the peace of the Romans. Where was true peace to come from? Jesus is arguing himself. Now, the disciples would depend on this kind of peace to propel them into this active church that continued after. Because it was going to be hard, and they knew that the journey was going to be hard. And Jesus says, I'm not going to be with you in the same way that I have been. Here I am as a physical being, standing and being with you, talking to you. It's always been planned this way, disciples. I'm going to be with the Father. And that was to provide them comfort. And even more so, he knew they needed more. And the Holy Spirit was to dwell within them. And that's what they call the Advocate. It said in verse 28, You heard me say, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you'd be glad that I'm going to the Father. And the Father is greater than I. And Jesus boldly proclaims that he's not just going away from them. He's going to the Father and the Holy Spirit will be with them. And it's this juxtaposition of Jesus actually being more fully with them and more people. So we have this different kind of a peace than the world teaches us. Jesus taught us to love our enemies, to forgive, to welcome outcasts, to heal diseases and illnesses, feed the hungry, and have the power to transform our lives and our culture. And that will bring about peace, a sort of heaven on earth. Jesus could have used his incredible power, but instead, he was with the most lowly. He instead didn't ask people to serve him hand and foot, but instead washes their feet. He does not climb positions of power, but questions human authority and lowers himself. He does not have others fight his battles as Caesar does, but instead Jesus dies for us. This kind of active peacemaking is an amazing testament to who Jesus is, and it's a tall order for us normal humans 
But there have been some who rose to the occasion. I can think of just a few. Martin Luther King Jr., Mother Teresa, Dorothy Day. Those are people that live for Christ the King. But there's also other names who don't get proclaimed from a history book or blast across everywhere else. Perhaps there are peacemakers in your life. Perhaps it's a grandparent, an aunt or an uncle, a colleague or even a child. We're all living in this world and we're all called to peace. And Martin Luther King Jr. said it the best. Peace isn't just an abundance of the absence of tumult, but an act of bringing about of justice. And how do we do that? We have to center on Christ. We are invited to cultivate a certain kind of spiritual life, and that is from which we will have this inner peace. We will not get it from the world. We will only be able to get it from an inner ability to connect with Christ. And I think that's one of the most important things that we can remember. Because it's not about having a bigger lawn sign. It's not about having a better social media presence. It's not about being louder or more powerful. I know I'm preaching to the choir. You all tell your friends, center yourself in Jesus first. And that is where we find our true peace. Now, I know that there are a few things that we can start doing in our lives to get this kind of peace. And I actually drew from a resource that our Presbyterian Church of the United States of America has for this particular Sunday. It's World Communion Sunday, but we are also going to be collecting a peace offering. And it goes to a variety of places that are trying to promote peace in this world, but it also understands that we cannot just be active in our peace without where we are centering from. And so it prioritizes a spiritual health. Do you have a time for daily devotionals? There's an app for that. You can go to the actual Bible. You can join one of the study groups that we have here. How are you deepening and widening your own spiritual practice? Is it through maybe yoga or deep meditation? You could find a spiritual director. You could also do something that is called the Prayer of Daily Examine from the Ignatian Spirituality. A wonderful way to reflect upon the day and it is out of deep gratitude that you find deep peace and therefore you can serve the world. Perhaps you're not into just doing it by yourself, more of a community kind of a person, are you? You can start a book club or join something that is focusing on peacemaking in this world. There's biannual conferences that you can go to. And even here in Doylestown, we have interfaith communities that are trying to get at these questions. And of course, we have a phenomenal mission committee here ourselves. You can find daily inspiration, monthly inspiration, yearly inspiration, in art, music, nature, poetry, meditation, and even children's books. There are a plethora of ways for us to dive deep into what our spirituality can be. And before you say, I don't have enough time to do this, there's something that happens on your phone, particularly an iPhone, and notes how much screen time you have used throughout the week. Mine arguably comes at 9.05 every Sunday morning, and I think that's a good reorienting for me in particular, because I'm doing it in the midst of my community, and I pull out my phone, oh, what is that notification? And it tells me I have done some extra screen time this week. 
can we focus that screen time on something else? And it's not just to do, but it is a different posture that we will be taking. And I draw us to understanding the last words that Jesus said. This wasn't a passive piece that Jesus was talking about. It was an active piece. So I imagine Jesus sitting down with his disciples in his final discourse, and he literally said, rise, let's be on our way. Other words, Jesus' disciples weren't called to just sit there. They were supposed to be with this active peace. And who better to do it than the ones who have heard and been centered in Jesus' life and teachings for all of this time. And we are too called. Rise, let us be on our way. Amen and amen. Thank you again for joining us today. Once again, I invite you to check out dtownpc.org for information about our worship and programming for all ages.